I am unashamed. What about you? So I don't know when this will be aired because sometimes we do them a couple days beforehand and sometimes day of. But y'all know the last two days. This and and today is a special day. You know what today is, right? It's June first. Mm-hmm. What is today? What is the significance? Do you know? June first. Y'all, this is embarrassing that it's taking you this long. I hadn't thought about um, it. I got up this morning. And I didn't even know what day it was. <laughs> Do you know what day of the week it is? No. <laughs> this is. I don't know that. But <laughs> that pandemic when they, when they when they cut out meeting with the brothers on Sunday. Once morning, you lost your Sunday, that's gone. okay. Now, Dad lost the North Star, which was somebody said. Well, they're going to knock out going to church. I said, No, they're not. All three of us seated at this table right now. We're two or three, as three of us are gathered together. In my name, Jesus said, I will be there. So this is. Okay. But Dad doesn't reason, know when to bathe like he's lost the North Star. What do you do? Bathing. I don't know what June 1 has to do with it. Well, June 1, this is the opening day of frog season. I did not know that. Phil, if you look, there's a they now have a law. About. That's, that's good information to know <laughs> because listen, day before careful yesterday uh, I drive up on Dog Bayou. Yeah, which we own. Which we own it. Yeah. And the water there, I, it's there now. I left it on it. I'm getting excited. So there's a lot of vegetation. Yes. The first thing I see is about a four foot gator sliding along Mm -hmm. but in the background i'm looking at the gator and where the beavers have dammed up my my riser to to drain this thing Mm -hmm. the beavers are down there just got it all covered up they thought you left that's why they've been working they've held the water but across the (laughs) dog belt it was this sound right here (laughs) 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 and and i said dan you hear all them bullfrogs i said jace would like that this would be music to his ears. Oh, I'll be there tonight. They are <laughs> because there. Because I was now wondering where I was going to go. They are there on the dog. You know what the sign was? You know what a gator's favorite food is, according to an alligator farmer? Frogs. Frogs. So, so you got to get in there and get them. Well, I put that together it's, instantly. It's, it's I said, two that gator has moved in on these frogs out uh, here. Yeah. That was the sign. So we'll, I won't harm the gator because it's not gator season. You have to have a ticket. But and do we hope one day that does, we call him Pete? Does do, oh you've named the gator? Named him Pete. He was there last year. He was about a three footer last year, but evidently they grow about a foot a year because he's about another foot. And I said, look at old Pete here, and he goes out there and he numbers his eyeballs looking at us, and he'll slither along. Does a gator eat beavers? Because maybe they can. Oh yeah, well, I think they got to get big enough, and yeah. then he'll. So that's a good. That thing. would be a good thing. Yeah. Oh, that is real good. But you know, a bad thing about the gators is you know where they love to reside. Once first they move into your hole. Then they move into your blind because uh, they're like, hey, here's a, I got a I house. I saw another one over on the blind on the pipeline and up on that log, that front log, he I just saw something there. hit. And I said, that might have been a beaver. I'll, get, I'll go take him out. But he was camped out on the blind. I pulled up there and I was following the bubbles. I'm motoring along following the bubbles under the water. He goes out there about 20 yards. I put my motor in neutral, come up with my 22, ready for him for a beaver head and 
I saw what come up. It was an alligator head. <laughs> He's looking around at me, and I'm thinking, son, you better be careful around here. I thought you were a beaver. Yeah, He didn't know. I, I put my 22 back up, and he goes on one way, and I go the other. But he was in one of our duck blinds laying These up on the These gators have really flourished around here. We were going – I was with my wife the other day going down Jonesboro Highway because it was you know a flood. And I said, look at that gator. I mean, there was – that's in the backwater of Louisiana, and there was a 10-foot – this one was 10. Woo. Just swimming right along the, the road. And yeah. I thought, boy, the game. Well, you know why? Uh, there was just this last week, there was a story. So Hitler had a pet alligator. And it's been alive since Hitler was alive in some zoo in another country. And it just died last week. It was 89, really? 89 years old. Whoa! So that I was gator, not aware of this. Yeah, the gator lived almost ninety years, and, and that was in captivity. I bet he was a horse by the time. I he bet died. he was. I, I will say this: uh, people ask me all the time. I'm I've been around alligators, I guess, my whole life because in Louisiana, sure. I've never. I don't feel threatened by an alligator. I don't either. Now crocodiles, okay, they'll kill you. They're aggressive. You know, yeah, but alligators. You know, our, our friends who we are friends with, by the way, and swamp people. They, you know, when you're on TV, what I've noticed is the producers and the show, they tend to dramatize <laughs> actual events. They didn't on our show, though. We have we have trapped alligators in our in our past and have eaten alligator, which I would say average, you know. Pretty not, good. I mean, it's pretty okay. good. The tail if, meat's pretty good. If I was I hadn't, like the jaws better. Yeah, jaws if I good. hadn't eaten in a day, I would eat it. But it not like compared to a frog. Well, I mean, a frog, I'm sitting there staring at the sky, glad to be alive and well. I mean, those things are scrumptious. Well, you yeah. have both over there on the dog because I looked at them yesterday. I will look into that so I saw a, later. I saw a picture, Jace, of some family that went because Florida, you know, it's covered gators, and they rented a house. And so in the, in the pool, there was a floaty, a giant, I mean, longer than this table here, uh, looked like a, a 10-foot alligator floaty you know just like the kids play on it yep then there's a six foot gator laying on top of the 10 foot floaty and so it, he, it was the strangest thing it, it was laying on top of a of a floaty a, gator it was a gator decoy it was a gator decoy and it drew him right oh, into that's the kind pump. of disturbing, that's <laughs> it, a disturbing it i saw that i thought that is the strangest picture i've ever so seen. let me give you this weird factoid the opening day of frog season is after the day of Pentecost, hmm. which is because if you think about it, now I read this and I I did some research. <laughs> so, what I'm just saying, you would be the only person in the world that would connect the day of Pentecost to the opening. No, day look, one of, of my buddies sent me a text because he does every year. Oh man, you know, happy frog season day, and I'm like, hey, all right, but then he'd always. The day before, he says, happy day of Pentecost. And I did the math. He did this for a couple of years, and I just disregarded it because I thought, what is he talking about? <laughs> but when I actually did the research, it's actually true. And I did this just for y'all. <laughs> so what happened after the resurrection, which is Easter? So if you fast forward the calendar, when you have Easter, which I don't know what day it is, whatever, it's like, I don't know, okay. it changes. 49 days later, they had the day of Pentecost. And so that's why they acknowledge that. 
Now, so you think, well, how did you find that out in the Bible? But when I did the research, I actually figured it out. Because you remember in Acts 1, all right, Jesus comes back from the dead. Well, then in Acts 1, it says he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. Correct. And gave many convincing proofs he was alive. And then somehow they figured out, I guess, nine days later, because he said you will receive power when the Spirit comes on you. And I'm quoting a lot of scripture here, but if you read Acts 1 and 2, you'll— Wait right here in Jerusalem. Yeah, and you'll see that. Well, then all of a sudden, here comes the tongues of fire and the sound of a violent blowing wind, chapter 2, which I wish I could have seen that. And then there was the big debate, oh, they're drunk, you know. And Well, then it ties in with what happened at the Tower of Babel. Now you're going back to Genesis 11 because God said— be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth. And they said, no, nah, we're staying right here. I'm going to build a tower to the heavens. And so he confused their language, which is why we have the different languages. But here, the sign that the Holy Spirit had been unleashed on the day of Pentecost was that each person heard the disciples, the apostles, speaking in their own language. And they were there from all over the world. All over the world. The actual miracle was that there was no division of the language, which is quite the miracle. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you hear one guy speaking, 14, I don't know, 15, 100, people are listening, and they're hearing their language from one voice. It would be like going to the United Nations and you see them all sitting there with the things yeah. on there so they can somebody can translate. Nobody would need the headphones because you'd be able to hear the that guy. Correct. Wouldn't Everyone. that be a cool thing? They're all taking their headphones. They're looking. Yeah. This would be a good movie scene. It would be. And they're all like, we hear our language from one Coming voice. Coming out of this one guy. How are they yeah. doing that? And then all of a sudden have the wind, you know, start blowing <laughs> and then fires dancing on their heads, you know. <laughs> That's kind of exciting. I would have been uh, <laughs> paying close attention to what's fixed to happen next. I, I would I have thought, gone to one knee and said, yes, Lord, <laughs> because that's basically what happened. And then Peter said, now quoted, that I, quoted now Joel, that, he said, Joel, it's, he said, Joel predicted this way back. Yeah, Joel, yeah, too. Right, Joel the prophet. And since I've gone down this road so far, then Peter said, now that I got your attention, or the Lord has, and then he shares Jesus. Yeah. And then he, they said, what do we do? You know, how do we respond? And he said, repent, be baptized, every one of you uh, in I the name I of Jesus. I think I know where you're going now. For, for the forgiveness of sins. <laughs> and it done. says you will receive the Holy Spirit. Well, I think there's an important distinction because they had the Holy Spirit fall on them. Then in his sermon, he says, what, you, what, what has been poured out and what you now see and hear. You know, so he poured it. There's a difference in having the Spirit poured out on you and then having it in you, which yep. I like that First Corinthians 12 where it says he's given us the Spirit freely to drink. Mm-hmm. And so the fruit of the Spirit we know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And so really, you know, I say all this to say two of the greatest moments on the earth, having the Spirit inside you being drunk on the Spirit, Ephesians 5. And then you take that and go frog hunting. It, it's it's absolutely almost too much oh, for I the thought you were going person some, I thought you were going bear. somewhere else. I thought you were going to wind up <clears throat> in Acts 10 when the big sheet came down out of heaven. 
which would have had frogs in it. And then so Peter, who could not have eaten a frog under Jewish food laws, now because he's a free man in Christ, he can eat frogs. I thought that's where you were going. No, I wasn't going there, but I've gone there before, (laughs) which is because people are like, oh, it's disgusting, a frog. You know, you're going to eat a frog. And, you know, because I've said this many times, I wrote this in my book. I mean, the greatest day of school that I had in my school career was the day I was like seventh or eighth grade. They said, we're going to dissect a frog. Let me tell you, I had that frog dissected in about four seconds. Everybody was looking around, and I'm like, unedible, 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 all this, throw away. This is the part we want. Right. Well, what, A plus. Most people, the reason they don't understand about how good a bullfrog is is because when they think frogs, they think of little toads jumping around you know, in your front yard. So they think, oh, who'd want to eat that? But you pick up a big bullfrog, I mean, with that meat hanging down on those two legs, I mean, that's just oh, that's, that's God's kitchen. When we were playing golf in at the peninsula, I I hit a ball, a little right. I'll go down, there's a pond. So now I'm, I realize my ball's gone. And so you're like, well, what are you doing? Are you looking for a place to drop? I'm like, no, I wonder if there's any frogs in this pond. <laughs> and so I started walking around. I said, I want to see what an Alabama frog looked like. You know, I'm looking. And I don't see any, and then I took one step because I'm right by the bank. And I kid you not, one of the biggest bullfrogs I've ever seen in my life just jumped out in front of me. And you saw them big old legs on that Well, I saw it, but it was so big, and I was looking out here. I I forgot to look right here, and it jumped. I mean, my heart just like, (laughs) because I thought it was an alligator, crocodile. It just, it was the sound. And then I thought, man, I mean, they're humongous so that's why when I take people frog hunting that have never gone, it's one of the things we do in our charity event. And they pay a lot of money just because of the adrenaline rush. And we're, you know, we're sending it to good causes because they'll scream just like at the alligator. We do the same thing every time because these alligators are used to us riding around. So we'll pull up beside them. Well, they're all looking like, oh, cool. It's like we're on a zoo trip, you know, and we're right beside it. And everybody's happy and looking at the alligator <laughs> until he takes off, because they don't understand. Uh, they underestimate the power and the and of, the speed of an alligator taking off. It's so loud it rattles your bones, and they all scream. <laughs> and then the same thing when they come up on the frog, they got their hand up because I'm sitting there in the ear saying, "You can do it. There's no, there's nothing on him that can hurt you." He has no teeth, no problem, and they're and you're basically manipulating them into trying this mm-hmm. that they have never done. As soon as they grab that frog, they feel the power. I mean, this thing is just one big ball of muscle, and when he <laughs> said, you know, he'll get those back feet and try to put your hand off. When that happens, scream and release. <laughs> they do the same thing every time. It just. Ah! <laughs> are these women or men? Both. Well, some are women, but I've seen grown men scream. Yeah, I mean, not holler, scream. I didn't know that was going on. <laughs> yuppie men, yuppie men. But yeah. you know what I mean. Oh yeah. And then, now, once they get over that, then they realize that's what he's going to do, and they'll get it though in the ice chest. Here we go. So I just thought I'd share those two that's, special. That's days. pretty good. Happy Frog Day. Happy Frog Day. And, and, and happy, happy Day of Pentecost. All right, yeah. let's let's take a break on that one. So we get a lot of questions, um, and we appreciate, by the way, you guys send us your questions because a lot of times that drives what we talk about, uh, even in our text and uh, in the book of John. 
But one of the things that I've seen occurring over and over, and Jason and I were talking about this early this week, is uh, <clears throat> how do you approach it if your your spouse possibly is an unbeliever? I get this a lot. You're a believer. Your spouse is an unbeliever. How do you reach them? What's the best? What should I do? Uh, I've had the same question about what if your children uh, grow up, you know, and you you had a believing household, and then obviously they get of their own age. Maybe they go to college, whatever. And then they don't choose the path uh, of being a believer. So how do you reach them? How do you do that? So I wanted us to talk a little bit about that because I thought it was interesting. Uh, we're in John 6 and now in John 7. And, Jason, you and I were talking about this. You know, Jesus mm-hmm. basically dealt with this same issue in his own family. Uh, we just, you know, everybody sort of assumes like, oh, well, I guess his family believed immediately that he was the son of God. But According to John 7, that's not it at all. In fact, John 7, 5 says, even his own brothers did not believe in him. Yeah, it's an obscure passage. And look, some of the things Jesus would say and do about his earthly family makes religious people feel really uncomfortable. Uh, you know, that passage in Matthew 12, when they he was in there, they were having a little kumbaya session there, and they said, hey, your mom and brothers are here and he said this is my family i mean that's right. not exactly what he said but it's matthew twelve forty six. Yeah. yeah and so they're like well why would jesus say that and you remember that other place where he said he didn't come to bring peace you know but a sword because other places say you know he's the prince of peace so what did he mean but a lot of people will be divided and families be divided over their view of Jesus or, you know, their relationship with Jesus. So it is a very tough issue. You have the passage in, is it First Peter 3, mm-hmm. where if it says if a woman has an unbelieving husband, she ought to, you know, stay with him and try to win him over and set the example. And so you have that example in there, which means to me, first of all, that when you get married, husband and wife, Matthew 19, Jesus defined marriage, a male and a female. He goes back to what God said in Genesis. Genesis 2. And for this reason, them being created male and female, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife. What God has joined together, let not man separate. So whether you believe or not, when you make that vow, you're making a vow to God, whether you believe he exists or not. Would you agree with that? I agree with that. And so... And and really, when you look at marriage, not the two vows on the earth you make. One is the one you just said. Yeah. When when a man tells a woman, for better or worse, till death do us part. Or a woman tells a man. Yeah. A woman tells a man. Yeah. And the other one is when you say with your lips, "Jesus is Lord." Yeah. Romans ten nine or a variation of that. Jesus is. You know, in fact, um, Paul uses the, everything else. Yes, no. I'll do my best. I'll try, but, but those two—that's <laughs> uh, that, serious. That's quite the mouthful. Well, and you know, yeah. Paul even uses that as a, as an illustration in Ephesians five when he talks about the church being the bride of Christ. When you say He's going to be your Lord, it's an I do. It, it's a coupling spiritually yep. with yep. with God. Yeah. Yeah, well, and that he tied that together. There. It is. It is. So we say all that to come to John seven five and say. You know, we were talking about it, how Jesus actually had unbelieving family members. It's like you, Jace, being raised with Al, Willie, and Jeff and saying, guys, 
<sighs> tell you, I've come down here through the my mother Mary with no mm. sex involved. That's why I'm here. I know I'm y'all's brother. I'm going to die. They're going to put me in a tomb. In three days, I'll be raised from the dead. I just want to give you a heads up yeah. on where this thing is going. And his brother Al, said. Al, if Jace had told you that, yeah. what would you have said? I would have said, well, I don't know about all that. <laughs> Which I mean, is obviously. Can you imagine that? Yeah, oh. and, I, and it makes you wonder what they thought because you know they had heard the story that that Mary and Joseph had presented as to well, what happened. I, I'm sure they talked about it. I mean, all but, the but, apostles, I think, but they didn't really believe it. Look, I mean, I mean it's like you think you're perfect. There. He's like, yeah, yeah. All <laughs> I the am. apostles are there watching the miracles. You say, well, how come they just didn't say, well, I mean, I'm with him no matter what. Why are they deserting him when he finally goes to the cross? You're like, wait a minute, you guys. He's been telling you from the beginning, I'm gonna die, be buried, and raised from the dead. And Peter was sitting there saying, hey, no way, that's ever going to – he's arguing with him. And he said, no, it's Peter, get get back from me, Satan. You're trying to thwart what I'm doing here. You just think about what a what a hard thing to pull off that was. Well, well remember, I remember we're only picking up the story of Jesus when he's 30 years old. So he had 30 years up until the point we start reading exactly. about it in the Bible. Pete, just because the Bible doesn't mention it much. Now, you have the one – Remember, no miracles – until John baptized him. That's right. At 30. That, at, at 30. At 30. But that's at 12, when the miracles. he was yeah, at that's the, the one temple. time at the temple. He got left behind. And it says he it was grew- home alone. It was it was a home alone scenario in the Bible. But you can imagine, I know where this went wrong. Because here he's claiming all this stuff. And his brother's like, yeah, right, okay. And maybe they did get a, you know, see some weird moments where it's like, man. No doubt. So, you know, they take him to show and tell, you know. At school or whatever. I'm just making this up, obviously. <laughs> but I'm saying, okay, he claims he can do all this. Well, come come show my class, you know, that you can do this. And of course Jesus is just decides not to. And they're like I mean, I'm sure this just went off the rails and they had some bitterness. Because the bottom line is we're reading this passage, they did not believe. Well look, listen to this to go with what we're talking about. So here here's what they said in John seven. Jesus' brother, they're about to go down to this feast of of the tabernacles. And Jesus said, no, I don't think I'm going to go. And his brothers say to him, you you ought to leave here and go to Judea so your disciples may see the miracles you do. Yeah. I mean, think about that, how crazy that is. They didn't believe because we know that in just a minute. But they're like, you need to go down there and do some of your stuff. Then here's here's what they're really getting at in verse 4. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. You mm. idiot. That's the part they left out, but that's yeah. what they're telling it. Yep. Since you are doing these things, show yourself. Yeah. Go show them what you can do. That's right. That's why I was saying that. They have been rubbed wrong by this miracle yeah. brother, you know, the chosen one. I mean, because, <laughs> look, every time we had an issue as brothers coming up where I deemed one of my brothers was the chosen one because he did something good. All that if promoted Jesus was had been fight. one of your brothers, Chase, if he had been one of your family members, you just think what friction that would have caused. You know? Oh, it, I'd have probably destroyed the whole plan because he probably wouldn't have made it to the child. You know what I mean? Some accidental issue on the water, you know, yeah, and where yeah. I attempted to do something and then I I probably would have lost. But, you know, but still, the point is. You just don't believe, and that's why I've always said, and we've always brought up in, in here, the miracles themselves, there's always a way 
to justify mm-hmm. how it didn't happen. And, and even things that are not miracles, God working in your life, you you just excuse it and say, nope, can't be. It, when you don't, when you have in your mind, and now I'm getting to what we're talking about today, which is your husband or wife that doesn't believe or your kids. I mean, that is the bottom line right here. That even though they've heard the stories and and they may have seen, they've been in Bible class and they see God working in people's lives. Until you surrender for yourself, there's always a way to justify in your mind that it's not real. It can't be. Let's yep. take let's take a quick break. So you're right, <clears throat> Jason. What's interesting is they saw the miracle. Now think about that. And we've, we've talked a lot on this podcast about what a miracle really is, and they've been seeing it. But they, from this context here, they viewed it as just some ability he had, like he was a really good baseball player or whatever. It was like, look, if you're going to advance your career, you got to go do your stuff where there's, you know, that's how they viewed it. That's how they viewed the son of God. Show yourself to him. And yeah. I think because they were linked in family, which is the point of what we're talking about here, sometimes that's the hardest ones to reach because they tend to say, well, what's so special about him? You know, and we grew up with him. That's, ex- you know? that's exactly what the problem is. Yeah. And, and so the first place you want to start when you have an unbelieving family member is you got to realize, you know, we're going to have to try to give them a picture of Jesus that they may not have considered. Correct. Because what, whoever they think he is or whatever they think he is is obviously wrong. Right. Because we know how good Jesus is, and we know that the more you read about him and the more you get to know him, the more you want to surrender to him, the more you want to love him. So forget the rule-oriented or the manipulation. Or we They have to have a picture of God that pricks their heart. That right. cuts them to the heart. So that's where I would always start. The second thing we wanted to talk about is that if you fast forward this to the Acts 1 where I was mentioning earlier about the frogs and the day of Pentecost, <laughs> well, when you read verse 13 and 14, I think that's where it's at. So here in John 7, 5, they didn't believe. But something happened supernaturally in their lives. Because when you get to 14, this is post-resurrection now. They all joined together in verse 14, together uh, constantly in prayer, along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, uh uh-oh, and with his brothers. Yep, there they are again. Well, wait a minute. So they showed back up. They showed back up. And they're praying. (laughs) And they're praying. (laughs) Now, they went from... Whatever you call that in John 7, criticizing and among other things. I mean, almost kind of making fun fun of it. Condescending. Condescending. Well, and and also, you say, well, what happened? What was the transformation? Well, if you read in 1 Corinthians 15, you know, you have the gospel. We, the Corinthians, the most embarrassment in the spiritual history of the world, they forgot (laughs) the gospel. And they yeah. were at church. Okay, that happened. And so he explains to them what it is. Jesus yeah. died. He was buried. He was raised. But then he says, and that he appeared. Well, there's a group of people that he appeared to. And it says, after that, he appeared. Uh, see, verse 6. Uh, let's see. The 500 of the brothers at the same time, most of whom are still living. 
though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all. So somewhere in all that and this transformation, the resurrection changed their view. That's kind of what you – how do you go from John 7, 5? Now, they might have come along before that because we're just making a guess. Right. But I'm pretty sure that whether that was the moment they changed their mind with the rest of the apostles or that confirmed it. Once your brother's dead, and now he's back alive, and you know he's dead, because it's not like you heard the story. He's your brother. You and, go to the and funeral. Ma- and Mary was there and saw him die. So sure. that's- Your brother's dead, and then three days later, he comes back. Well, guess what? Everything I thought about you, <laughs> I was wrong. <laughs> you are the chosen one. We're going with you, Basically, Lord brother. Basically, they're saying, now we get it. We get it. You are now the official chosen brother, and you are leading the outfit. We're going. Got to that, remember, that's what to, to y'all's point about the question raised about about our family members, you have to remember it's going to uh, do damage if it hasn't already been done, which happens a lot, to your children if they don't understand First John 2, Three and four or five, we know that we have come to know him if we obey his commands. Your your siblings, your children are going to watch you. The man who says this is dad or this is mom, the man or woman who says, uh, I know him, I know Jesus, and the children are listening, but does not do what he commands is a liar and the truth's not in him. But If anyone obeys his word and the children are listening, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him, and your children are watching, must walk as Jesus did. So he outlines, and you take that, that's 1 John 2, but over in 1 John 4, he said, no one has ever seen God. Now, we haven't seen God. The Father. Yeah. The Father. We, we haven't seen him. Uh, no one has. No one has ever seen God. But your children are observing the one you say they need to observe. They, they need to come to Jesus. No one has ever seen. But if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is made complete in him. What he's saying is Jesus has to be there and the love for each other had better be demonstrated on a regular basis or they'll never see him. Because yeah. if they right. see if they say vitriol and hatred and you you say But think about what led it. You're 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 chasing them away. From the one you say they ought to observe. So I'm not saying yeah, I agree. that goes on with this particular uh, questioner, but I'm just saying. It's a great point. It's it's the best thing you can do. You know, if you don't see yeah. the love for each other, you say, and you're claiming Jesus, where's, but Phil, where's the love? Think right. about this conversation in John 7. The the Really, the point you made or that the Holy Spirit made in John is when he said, if you want to be have a following – you know, you got to go public. It's not about private. But just think about how families are constructed. Most people act one way in public and 
differently in private with your family. Yep. That's, and my, so, that's my point. So when you go to a church building, and here's your son, who's an unbeliever, and he's he's, watch, he's he, observing he's the whole watching process. <laughs> now look, having said all this, there always there's always going to be a hypocritical nature to every Christian because we all make mistakes before, during, and after. Although there should be repentance, a change in life and direction. So, and they're going to have to get to heaven in spite of us, which is what I've said. Look, you know, with my kids, my oldest, I remember probably the most impossible moment that we had was, you know, he was mad about something. You know, his mom, they had got into a tiff or whatever, but it was like a this is a, a deal breaker to him. You know, he's out of the family. He's leaving. And so instead of just, you know, looking at it like, well, you idiot, what do, what do you mean? Because that wasn't going to work. That wasn't going to work. I told Missy, I was like, you know what I think we should do? I think we should just admit our faults in this situation because some of what he's saying, he has a point. I said, let's just start there, which is the the very thing that I didn't want to do, which is why I thought, what would you know Jesus do or what is he doing? I'm like, you know what? We do make mistakes. Well, guess what? When we started there, that was the place to start. Yeah. It kind of it took the tension out of it. That's right. Down. I'm like, first of all, because it's hard, look, especially with my family. You know, we we've become famously known by from our women of having a hard time saying I was wrong, I love you. Uh, I'm sorry. What was the, and I'm sorry. I, I've probably heard those when I was raised. It's like your mama when she stood over my bed and, 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 and I had the thought, I, I opened one eye, she was just standing there. I said, you know, like, you're standing over me. What, what do you want? And she said, Phil, do you love me? I said, yeah. <laughs> and she says, write it down. I'm like, yeah. I said, gotcha. You well, went to well, Eli Wallet. I went back to sleep. One eye. I thought, I that thought, was your subconscious. Your, yeah. your one eye's memory of Eli yeah, I Wallet. Thought, used I thought, to do well, that. that's a required, quite the request. Write and it down. Too. So the next morning, I go in there, I got me a cup of coffee, and I walked to my favorite chair. And right in the middle of the chair was a, was a piece of paper and a pen. And I thought, that's that little event I had last night. She said, do you love <laughs> me? I said, yeah. Down. She said, write it down. Because so you I never said, say it. So I look, I get my pen out, and <laughs> I wrote it down. Miss Kay, I love you. I always have. I always will. And I signed it, Phil. And I, I left the note on the side of the chair there. Well, the next thing, next thing I know, I see it, and it's taped on our bed. What do you call the back of a bed? Head frame, head frame. Head frame. It's taped on the head frame, and it's been there about 25, 30 years now. <laughs> Still there. So so I now said, you feel like That's when really... I deducted that women are strange creatures. you just got to learn to live <laughs> or, with or them. Or that you could say, I love you more. Let's take a, let's take a quick break. So point being is that I do think it starts there. It's you were showing a, him of what I'm discussing. Well, like, like, it's a private, public. I mean, look, if the more appealing Jesus is going to be to your family member is based on you trying to influence them publicly and privately and how you lead your life. I, I, I think about that 
every day with but my kids. But you're on record as saying, Jace, and it was a it was a good deduction. Sometimes parents they get so rule oriented. That's right. That they the word that the Apostle Paul used is fathers. He said fathers don't exasperate. Your yeah. children. What he was saying Ephesians is, look, six. you can overdo this, but you are famously quoted as saying the only rule around here is that there are no there rules. There are no <laughs> rules. And guess yeah. who said that? Jesus. <laughs> and people, oh, 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 no, there are rules. You know, I, I've talked to many of a young crowd. Which and, I and, they, and look, I'll say, how many laws? I guarantee our listeners, if we do this, say, how many laws are we under? As Christians, and I've heard everything from thousands to fourteen, you know, two. to six hundred and sixty-six. Well, to two, love the Lord yeah. your God, you right. know. Which his point wasn't to give you two laws. He no. was just saying if you love God and love your neighbor, you that'll sum it up. Yeah. <laughs> and then the only rule I ever found in the Bible was uh, in the last chapter of Galatians. Chapter six, he says, "Do not boast about anything except Jesus Christ, our Lord." And it says peace and mercy, which the whole book is about you're not under law, Galatians. But then he says peace and mercy to all who follow this rule. I think it's. I think he was trying to be funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want a rule? Here's a rule. <laughs> Look that up, by the way. Check me out. It's like, yeah, brag on Jesus. There you go. There's your rule. And uh, so you need come to Jesus meetings, but it's pictures and introductions of Jesus and how he operated in in your setting and how your life is responding to that in private because i guarantee you if you want to ask your kids how you are i don't want to ask them about whether you go to church or not that's what most people ask well do y'all go to church yeah. i mean they don't your kid he doesn't believe he's a teenager and doesn't do you go to church i would ask is this, well, is how that is he at home it? When nobody's looking. In a school or wherever. Well, right. And how is this? Well, now we're getting into. And so I know we don't have long to go. And and just I want y'all's comments on this because it was something we talked about and I thought about. Because you think, what is the problem in marriage? And what is the problem with having rebellious teenagers? Or The problem is we don't have a point to start over. Because you think if all of us sin. All of us make mistakes. I mean, I can't imagine marriages. I'm sure there's a few out there without Jesus that have figured out a way to get along without winding up in jail. It's just because there's so many marriages. But most of them, I figured they struggle with things like forgiveness and starting over. Because if you take Jesus out, well, that's the ultimate place to start over because of his grace on a cross and a new beginning because of the resurrection. So when you throw in baptism, something like that, where it says through the gospel that we read in 1 Corinthians 15, you you actually reenact it, the death, the burial, and the resurrection, your old self is crucified, you know, verses we've gone over. Well, it gives you a point of reference to actually start over. So I think the key to marriage and having these conversations and reaching people that are unbelievers and the key to rebellious teenagers is in Jesus, you're finding that place to say, I'm sorry, and then move on. To say, I love you, and then move on. It's like a clean slate. Cause no matter, you know, learn how, from it. Yeah. You know, no matter who you're married from, to, grow from it. Yeah. And move on. That's you, right. you gotta have grace. 
I mean, I thought my wife was an angel probably for the first two years we dated because I never saw her mess up. I thought, I have fooled around. Because, <laughs> you know, there's a verse in there that says, be careful when you, you know. Entertain strangers. They yeah. may be angels. And of course, I didn't have sex till my wedding night. So I wasn't sure how that played with an angel or whatever. So, But I was thinking, this I have I have met an angel. <laughs> She's never raised her voice, never said a four-letter word. So when word. did you begin to, when did reality finally set in, Jace? Well, that first week. No, I mean, I said while the first two years we were dating, you know, I was I mean? say the so first that, week that you was got married, she was pulled a... some stunt, you know, and I'm like, <laughs> okay, not an angel, <laughs> close. <laughs> I don't forgot the exact moment, but I thought, okay, but you know what? It wasn't. I mean, as far as compared to most people, she she's never raised her voice. I've been married to her thirty years. She's never. Came out and said, I tell you, you know, what? Never, which is pretty amazing. She only raises her voice in song. When she raises her voice. (laughs) Well, you know that little thing she does, Phil? You like it. I I don't think she's ever done it in front of you, has she? The yodel that she teaches on what your voice can do. Has she ever? I've heard her a couple times. Yeah. Yeah. She hates it when I do it because I try to put her on display. I'm like, do that thing. Because she can literally, you know how these people uh, break glass? Well, she, I think if she worked on it a little bit, she could do it because it's so loud. I mean, if I heard that in the woods, I'd, I'd run because yeah. <laughs> she, she shows you how to use your body to sing properly. And one day I was coming it, in it earshot of attention. the house. Did, did well, she it? was teaching a young girl how to sing, and all of a sudden I hear this sound. It was just, it was rattling my body. And I was like, <laughs> I walked in and I said, What was that? <laughs> and she said, Oh, I, I yodeled. And I said, that is awesome. Do it again. But then she wouldn't do it. And so she was embarrassed. But that's, so that's the only time she raised her voice. She could be loud, but she chooses not to. All right, well, let's take one last break. So I, I think that, you know, we've talked a lot in these last few podcasts about our own family. And obviously mom was the first one in our family to come to Christ. Mm-hmm. And because we weren't, me and Jay's weren't raised in a Christian home at all, even though I went to church. I, I went with some folks. So I was exposed to some stuff. Mom became a Christian because basically, and she, she articulated this well on a couple of podcasts ago, she just finally got to her breaking point, though. I don't know what to do. Everybody was telling her she needed to leave you. But instinctively, she was taught by a grandmother, a believer, no, you hang in there. You, you fight for your marriage. You know? And so she kept telling her that. But she turned to Christ first because she had nothing else for that resurrection moment. And so then all of a sudden she had the internal strength. That's pretty well where we all are at one point. Exactly. Point. And then so when, when you guys were split up, you came to the realization that your life was miserable. Yep. And it was mm-hmm. like, and, and it was driven to that. And you thought, you know, because up until this time, you didn't trust anybody. You just certainly didn't trust God, you didn't trust anything. I didn't trust me as far as I could <laughs> Exactly, exactly. I didn't trust you. Either. And so, but then you had that resurrection moment yep. where then you said, you know what? I, if I want Miss Kay and my boys, I, I got to get to someplace better than I'm at. And then you talked about it before. You kind of retreated from You were introduced life. to Jesus. You were. And think about our verse. This Look is what impact that had as uh, the years went on. Because I was in my 20s. Now I'm seated here talking to y'all in my 70s. We just had a daughter that came out of my past, which is, you know, just because you're done with sin doesn't mean that sin may be 
not done with you. So yeah. your past will tend to folly, which I learned. But the if other you day. hadn't been a godly man for the last 40 something years and mom hadn't really forgiven you 45 years ago, then when this moment came up with Phyllis, this would have been a disaster. Disaster. It's right. disaster every day. But you think know? about John 7 5. Here's an obscure passage. I'm sure most of our listeners, they probably. Never noticed that his brothers didn't believe. Because right. you from Acts 1 on, they did believe. So that transformation, that evidence physically that there is a God, which I think that's pretty strong evidence. Why did they go from not believing to believing, along with all the other disciples? Why did they go from running to dying for him? But we still see that same evidence in life transformations right. through the spiritual resurrection. No so Jesus is what saves you. Look, he's God. He he's he is salvation. He died, was buried, and resurrected to prove it. But you can still reenact that on earth by repairing these relationships because it now gives you a point of reference. Oh, forgiveness on a cross of Jesus and resurrection, a new life. It's amazing how it's going to happen physically, but it also happens through faith spiritually on the planet. And what does it do? It repairs relationships yep and in the end look some people that still some people are going to see jesus and turn him down and i hate it for them and i always tell people that have children that are adult children and and leave the way they were taught is you want to still do your best to have as good a relationship as you can and obviously sometimes you have to have a hard talk dad had a hard talk with me we all had a hard talk with jeff because two out of your five children we're prodigals. We we went our own way for a yep. while, but you have to trust God in that too. That they'll come I, back. I, I I got it because I'd been there. You'd been there, yep. so you weren't you weren't overly. You you gave me this mm-hmm. straight talk. You said, "Look, you can't stay here and live this way." You know, in our house. But if you got to go see, you got to go see. And so I went, and it took me about two years to figure out. You know what? I don't want to live like this. This is terrible. Like, well, I'm, but I'm, Al, even then it, you had it, it kind of motivated you when the guy had the tire tube. Well, the that's tire what I was going to say. Do with it. You uh, had a near death experience, correct? Which what does that do? Lead you to thinking about the resurrection. That's exactly of Jesus. right. And, and so, how great family is. The purpose, if you you know, very seldom do we say this whole podcast had a purpose, but it really does. If no matter what you're going through with a family member, what you've got to figure out how to do is get them to see that what Jesus did on a cross and the resurrection. That's it. You repackage that every conceivable way known to man and say, "I," because somehow or another, it may click yeah, so with Kay, them. Miss Kay said some people are saying that you're a hypocrite when they got the news about your daughter because you were a sinful man before you run up on Jesus and didn't change your way. So you're a hypocrite now for saying uh, I got we, this should, daughter. we should flee from sin, but right. they say, yeah, who are you telling me? And mm, look at yeah. your life. So I don't have the, uh, I can't say anything. You should say what I said. In a way, we're all hypocrites we for are. Jesus. Well, that's hey, exactly right. And guess what? He uses this anyway. The difference in me and a real hypocrite is because I'm honest about it. Is you yep. saying, yep, sure do. God still uses me. Yep. Don't let my mistakes keep you from going to heaven. That'd be stupid. <laughs> and the reason I've been trying to make up for my past the last forty five years, you say you never make it up. No. You just you learn to say well, that's what I tell my son. Thank you for your mercy because right. I certainly needed it. You know what I always say, you can never pay it back. 
you can only pay it forward. That's right. I mean, you can't. There's look the grace of God that saved all three of us and our families. We can't pay that back. That's why it's a free said, gift. That's why in that Romans 13, I read about law enforcement. Leave no debt left outstanding. Pay your debts. That's right. Except there's one you never. The continuing debt to love one another. That's a pay you for. That you owe to your fellow man. Yep. It's a hard lesson to learn, but it is true, Al. It is. Well, I've been trying to live out, live that out for the last. Now I'm in my seventies. Now old age is creeping in. <laughs> and but look at the legacy that that hey. we're building, which is a blessing. So it thank, is what it is. Thank you guys again. We hope this has been helpful, especially for some of you with situations that we talked about. So don't give up. Be patient. Uh, continue to trust and live it out. So we're so glad you guys were with us today. You can subscribe on iTunes or Spotify or YouTube or Facebook. And be sure and rate us on iTunes so that other people can know about the podcast.